as per usual, I don't know what episode we're on, but welcome to the Prodigy Podcast with myself and for today's episode, Dominic Dillon, who um, we literally just mentioned um, before we started. Uh, I was scrolling through Instagram as we're uh, getting ready, and you've just been announced to be on the uh, Polaris under 75 kilogram squad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like um, it's like a mixed weight one, so it's kind of quintet thing. So uh, yeah, I'm the on one of the four um, members of it that are under 75, and then there's four that are under 95 on it as well. And uh, so how's how's yeah. that going to work with like? Have they kind of given you the 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 rule set or the format? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a it's kind of along the lines of quintet. Like um, it, it's uh, two teams, eight man. Um, each team has to have four that are under seventy five and four that are under ninety five. And uh, the uh, same way, like um, you fight off. If there's no sub, you both have to go off. If you win, you stay on the face of the person from the ne- next team. That way. Um, the main difference is though that it doesn't just go until one team's eliminated. So it's two 40 okay. minute halves. And, so uh, is, 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 so is it kind of like most subs in total? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And if an under 75 guy subs an under 95, that's worth three points to your team that way. So, uh, given that your, your, your categorized as one of the smaller guys in this, uh, in this wicked clan of people um uh and I'm, i know they haven't announced i think they've they've announced maybe one or two members of team europe yeah yeah i think uh they announced marcin held um which... but they haven't announced any big guys that you can go hunting after yet for a big three-pointer <laughs> no 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 not yet but uh, i'm sure i'm sure they'll be there but, yeah, uh, no... i mean like well for that for that format what kind of uh is that is has that have you thought kind of a quintet style format before no no i wanted to there was one that i think jimmy johnson was gonna try and organize about a year ago it ended up not happening but that was uh so we started like a quintet style training camp and stuff and we're preparing for the rules but unfortunately it didn't uh end up happening but no it's something i've wanted to do ever since i saw it really it is uh, i mean talked um on a previous episode with uh, uh matt from scramble and from obviously polaris but it, it it does kind of draw in a different especially i think you know it, it's meant to kind of draw in the average joe who doesn't jujitsu do jujitsu and give them uh maybe a bit more added excitement of the anticipation than a normal bjj match but i think for people who do it as well it's like a it's a really exciting format for you guys for just in terms of like being able to see all weight classes it's essentially kind of like an absolute tournament but with teams yeah yeah no i think there's a lot exciting about it and i think also um the fact that it doesn't like points don't play a part in it i think is really sort of it lets you really go sub hunting in it like uh, you really don't have to worry about anything else and i mean uh, coming off um your the the polaris uk tournament as well um you you had what i mean kind of after the tournament um one of the most talked about fights was your fight with ross um irregardless of kind of the decision how things went for the rest of the tournament that was one of the fights that was the most talked about talk me through that ah yeah i mean i i think it's definitely the best result i've had from a loss um yeah, no, uh, it was 
it was one of those matches where you kind of you don't you don't have regrets like uh however like the result went the sweet points i lost uh, on that kimura attack and stuff um it's something that i wouldn't change a moment of it because uh i mean in a sense it says a lot about ross that like even though I lost the fight, having that performance against him got it to be one of the most talked about matches of the event. Um, and I mean, uh, yeah, to have that performance against someone of his caliber was, yeah, it was perfect, really. Um, I mean, as soon as I knew the lineup in my head, I was I was thinking Ross, like that was, you know, um, and then it turned out that he was going to be my first <laughs> match as well. So it's like, because at first, you know, when I'm saying it to people at training stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, there's loads in the tournament. You're being paranoid. You probably won't get him anyway. <laughs> uh, and then when it was that, I was like, it just felt like, yeah, now I'm going to get him. And um, yeah, it was because I'd mentioned um, to Dan Strauss actually that week when I saw him, like because I'd fought Ross twice before that as well. And I'd kind of, I'm in my head, and rightly so, put him on like a pedestal always. Yeah. And um before that match, like as I said, even from the beginning, I was thinking I was going to fight Ross. I did a lot of like mental work trying to make sure that I, I would approach it like any match and just go after him, basically. Um, so uh, when I got to actually do that, and I felt I did just go after him, I didn't like have hold any reverence or respect. I just, you know, I went to try and take him out. Um, that. Yeah, that was that, that. was basically all I could ask for myself. Like the result, then that's you know it's out of my hands. Like, but as long as I go at him like he's anyone else. Yeah, yeah, I think. That's what the, kind of what when you kind of mention your the mental work we do is that just with yourself or? I actually uh, a friend of mine, um, John, got me a uh, like a appointment with a uh, Vinnie Shawman. Okay. Uh, it was like a birthday present for me actually, which has got to be one of the best ones uh, I've had to be honest, because it was it was really good, and um, he did a lot like kind of uh, he works a lot with a lot of different sportsmen. He's worked with some UFC fighters and stuff, so uh, he did a lot of work, um, kind of just unpicking my head because. Um, sort of uh, getting in that place where I'm not putting myself at a deference kind of thing where mm -hmm. I'm going like, Oh my God, it's Ross Nichols kind of thing where uh, I'm approaching, you know, is a jujitsu black belt? I'm a jujitsu black belt. I'm just going to try and impose my game. Um, as opposed to all that other stuff that we often bring yeah. with us into these things. Is that something that um, you've always wanted to kind of uh, work on or something that you've always wanted to at least try and kind of see if you can, um, uh kind of look to improve maybe your like uh mental attitude when it comes to competing against people that you do like you say maybe put on a pedestal yeah yeah definitely i mean it's one of those things which like a lot of stuff really i've kind of known was there and was a big factor and you kind of address it in small little quantities isn't it it's like um it's kind of that kind of thing like uh you roll in the gym with a completely different kind of confidence that you do in competition and um the mindset is one of the biggest changes because like the actual skills and application is basically the same but yeah that's something that i'd always kind of felt was there but i just hadn't really um put 
as much time as I probably should have in the past. Yeah. It's like when you address a little bit and I'd often address it to people I was training or teaching. Like I'd be like, oh, you know, when you're rolling with me there, you're, you're psyching out, you're giving me up that position because <laughs> you think I'm going to beat you. So you're not trying hard here, but I watch yeah. so-and-so and you're, you know, you're getting out of it. Um, so it's work, you know, uh, I'd, yeah, well, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's something that definitely from now on, I'm not going to overlook. <laughs> And do you think it was something that you'll kind of uh, continue to, uh, like, kind of uh, keep meeting up, keep kind of working on, or is it something now that you're going to kind of just maybe mentally practice yourself? Uh, it's definitely something I've been constantly mentally practicing since then, um, but I, I think I will get, like, a, a top-up of it as well. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, no, I mean, again, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, that's that's his expert field and I definitely have it's given me a lot of insight into negative thought processes I was using that was affecting my ability so um, I think I'm definitely uh, gonna keep going with that as well yeah. it's really interesting you say that actually because um, uh, recommended book is really short and even though it's got nothing to do with jujitsu all I'm doing is changing every time it's uh, it's called the is it the inner game of tennis? I've got it somewhere knocking about. But it's I just change whenever they use the word tennis, I just replace that with jujitsu. Yeah. Um, but they talk about um, yourself, you having like two selves. Is self one is the person in your head who's saying, you know, uh, it, like right, I need to do this, and I need to, I don't know, right, let's do a uh, like if you're doing armbar, right, I need to squeeze my knees together, make sure that I keep the arm pinned to my chest. And they're also thinking, don't fuck it up. Don't don't fuck it up. Like, make sure you do it. And then if you do mess it up, it's like, you fucked up. Self two is actually your body and actually yeah. you do it. And even though, like, you may not have made the mistake or, like, irregardless of, like, what self two does, self one will either criticize you or if you do it right, they might go, oh, well, that was probably a fluke. And so it's that kind of is actually and they talk about flow and it's kind of what you hinted towards in terms of kind of when you're competing against, especially someone where you might get in your head a little, actually, ha you know, being able to get into a flow state and just it's just self too. It's just mm. you're, you're just driving and actually yeah. you're and it, it's interesting that he talks about mistakes and I don't know how much this would apply to jujitsu. Um, but it's kind of you actually self-correct your mistakes and correct your mistakes far quicker if you're not in your head if you're not kind of you know if you're trying to you know, learn a kimura let's say um you know if if you're you're tensing so much you know you see it on some people's faces especially beginners like they're kind of squeezing their face they're thinking about and they're trying to they're almost thinking too much about it yeah and actually if they relax and feel it and they'll they'll as, as with a little bit of kind of suggestion and help they'll usually get it far quicker yeah yeah no no it is often the case it's like we're almost getting in our own way you know? like like you say you can replace the word tennis with jiu-jitsu because it almost applies across the board to like even non-sports doesn't it it's like uh for some reason um yeah like you say anything that's good or you've done well your mind can disregard as like oh you got lucky but then everything that's like things go all the things that could go wrong. No, no, that's that's what's gonna happen. Exactly. Like get in the way of ourselves a lot. <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, kind of 
looking at your whole competitive kind of career from current to past like i was thinking about it and you've essentially kind of done it all because you've you fought mma you you obviously competed at a high level in jiu-jitsu and if i remember correctly you've also wrestled uh competed at wrestling as well yeah 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 uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, there's some K1 in there as well, which and normally gets... <laughs> I get typecast as a grappler, which is <laughs> correct, but uh, <laughs> some K1. And boxing, actually, as well. Oh, you box yeah. as well. So you've, you've ticked even... Uh, you've ticked past the boxes as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to be honest, uh, probably a lot of uh, people will get offended if I call it. It was like, uh, you know, like uh, unlicensed white-collar boxing, whatever it's called. Like, <laughs> uh, gypsy sites. No. Nice. <laughs> so i mean what what i mean where did you start where what was your kind of your your primary sport or where did you kind of um begin to kind of look towards grappling or striking uh i guess primarily i was kind of a striker um at first like i, I kind of came well originally from an aikido background and then like into my teens and like full contact karate but um yeah, me and my brother just always used to wrestle with each other anyway. So uh, it was kind of, I don't know, um, I, I was I had short limbs, so like uh, kickboxing and striking wasn't so <laughs> fun for me. But uh, yeah, for, first, mainly I was a striker. Like my first competitive bout was a K1 fight um, that I ended up taking on seven hours notice. <laughs> and uh, I think still to this day, it's one of the bloodiest fights so yeah, i ended up kneeing this guy 17 times in the head i couldn't knock him out but he was, there was we were both covered in this blood was, how was he standing after 17 knees to the head yeah it was it was crazy it was uh to be honest i nearly fell over from exhaustion it was like a really was, to be honest it was a terrible fight it was like watching it now i cringe it's such bad technique like basically both hand, hands at the hips like swinging each other <laughs> uh yeah it was uh but it was uh that was my first competitive fight i mean that's a great way to start isn't it kind of covered in blood you can't like 17 knees to the head and you can't really kind of there's no uh leaving after that no no it was uh it was quite it was an exciting fight actually uh and weirdly, one, I didn't have any nerves for it. My second fight, which was actually my first MMA fight, I was terrified. Like, literally walking out, I'm kind of in my head picturing, like, what happens if I climb over the cage and run away? Like, uh, literally, second fight, my eye, you know, my eyes are, like, bulging out of my head in the video. But, yeah, the first one, I, I, I probably should have been more scared, considering it was like I'd shown up at this event to fight an MMA fight, um, and the guy hadn't shown up. And it, on like seven hours notice, they were like, oh, this other guy's opponent and the final, do you two want to fight K1? I found out later, neither of us were meant to, like he didn't, his fight was MMA as well originally. For some reason they put us in a K1 fight. And they were also, it was like, it was weird. It was 10 ounce gloves, shin pads, but knees to the head. So it was right. a very weird amateur fight uh, with rules kind of just put together on the spur. And uh, yeah, and for some reason, because everything was like so hectic and stuff, I didn't really have time to feel nervous. It was like, a, like they only had one cut man running back and forth, and he was like having to wrap hands before the fights. And he's like doing my hands, and he's like, oh, I've got to get back in for the other fight. I'm like, I'm the next <laughs> fight, so I only had one hand wrapped as well. So yeah, you're all going in shin pads, one hand wrap, ten ounce gloves, and no knee, no knee pads. No, this no. is madness. What show was this at? It was it was the first UCMMA contenders. It was then in Norwich. 
That's the first one they ran there. Um, David Dave O'Donnell. Was that yeah. kind of like the preliminary thing to kind of what now is WCMMA and kind of? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like I, I think it's eventually. To be honest, I'm not sure if any of the people. Uh, I think actually, I think Steve Newman, who was involved in that, still helps run contenders. That's in Norwich, but I don't think UCMMA contenders exists anymore. They, uh, it was like um, kind of a branch out of yeah WCMMA that Dave O'Donnell runs, and I think they basically were kind of franchising out into other cities, and doing. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think uh, along the road, you know, with constant politics and stuff, they split off. And I think now some of the same people that help run that now run contenders. But yeah, it doesn't exist as one anymore. And so, I mean, kind of, so you go from your first fight, your first K1 fight, like kind of, like you say, I mean, you, when you, it's funny that you don't, when sometimes when you don't have time for these th- like things, it's almost like uh, uh, some of the best BJJ fights I've had is where, I remember once at Naga, um, they said, right, you're on. And I had a T-shirt on. I couldn't find my rash guard. I was like, oh, shit, fuck it. Let's just go on like this. And I end up like having some, one of the best performances I'd ever had. And it's sometimes, like you say, when you have no time, you kind of, you, don't, you just don't have time to worry or think. Mm, you can't get in your own way. <laughs> yeah, you can't get in your own way, like you say. Yeah, um, yeah. So kind of, yeah, I mean... From what uh, what I have seen of your MMA fights, there's a lot of arm bars. Yeah, yeah, there were quite a few. Which that was a funny thing because my brother, who he started a bit before me, and uh, that like they were wanting to call him like the male Ronda Rousey because in like all the little amateur tournaments, he was on that one point I think eleven arm bar streak. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so it was quite, it was quite funny when I find that. Because uh, uh, that I've got a lot of arm bars on my record because uh, yeah for ages it, it, I I didn't think I could do an arm bar to save my life it was uh, yeah it's like no that's my brother saying I'm shit at arm bars and uh, you you never you never thought oh, I'll try I'll try and break his record no no I remember still the first arm bar I got because um, there was a black belt from um, fight sports that came over well actually I think it was a brown belt at the time. William Abreu and he taught he actually taught the Kimura trap he basically it went to me because every time I sat off for an arm bar I'd leave all this space lose the arm and basically they'd get on top and I'd have nothing and he was like oh man try doing it with the Kimura grip they can't slip the elbow and that next tournament my first tournament as a white belt I got my first arm bar and uh, yeah that was also I think the first kind of proper time I was like ooh Kimura trap <laughs> it was his love ever since yeah, pretty much yeah <laughs> So, I mean, you so you started competing as a white belt kind of um, at that point. And uh, was it from there that you just kind of like, like kind of jujitsu, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking this from then on? Uh, a little bit. Like, uh, to be honest, I, I always, uh, well, at that point, was kind of just doing it to help my MMA because uh, I'd had, I think, a couple of amateur fights at that point. I think I've won one, lost one. And... Um, I then went into uh, starting some grappling tournaments just because, uh, like, some of the guys were like, uh, you know, help keep you sharp between fights and things like that. Uh, there were no, uh, well, there was no black belt at the gym I was training at at the time. 
there so it was kind of literally just like a bunch of guys that kind of got together there were some judo black belts down there i think um i think my brother was a blue belt by then so he there were yeah there was like three blue belts at the gym that's like they you know you didn't mess with them you know that was a, 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 a badass blue belt in norwich back then um yeah so it was kind of just like i was start doing that and then at that first tournament um i ended up i think i had five matches and I think actually it was like my first two arm bars in that one. And then um, I won gold and, um, uh, and a guy from another team that was kind of like, a, well, it was like Felix Stowe, which is like a, I don't know, hour and a bit, hour and a half on the train from Norwich. And they were down there and um, he like came up to me. He was like, oh, you should come up and train. We've got like a proper black belt that comes down ours, which was Eduardo Goncalves. Uh, and that's when I, uh, yeah, so I, I then started traveling down there and that was like my first pro- proper sort of jiu-jitsu instruction that I started getting. Must be kind of uh, 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 a quite a unique thing when, you know, the, the best people around you are kind of like the blue belts, you know, like you don't fuck with them and suddenly like there's this black belt in front of you and you're like, like kind yeah. of God complex. No, no, it was definitely, it was quite crazy because, um, like the gym was run by Mark Nixon, um, who I think at, at the time he was like a two-stripe purple belt. There like no brown belts in the gym, and they, then you'd get Eduardo come down like once or twice a week. And yeah, it, it was it was yeah, it was like having Superman on the mat. It was just like oh, you know, I mean, probably if people told me he levitated, I would have believed him at the time. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was. Uh, I think now you kind of get a bit blase to it or a lot of people get because in pretty much every gym you go to scott you know probably three or four black belts sometimes if it's a big gym and uh i know then i you know i'd have to take a bus and then an hour and a half train like so i'd have to do over two hours travel one way to get to do a session with a black belt uh whereas like now in a lot of cities you can go to like three you've got a choice of three different gyms with all different black belts and things I mean, kind of now, now when I think about it, now that you are a black belt yourself, kind of, uh, do you kind of think, oh, well, when people walk in and they look at you and they think, oh, this guy could levitate if I told him, do you think you'd hold yourself in the same esteem? I don't know. I, I, it's weird. I kind of, I don't know. It's like, I kind of feel like the fact that I kind of, because one of the other things that like, I'm a parent now as well, so it's like some of the things I equate, I'll, I'll kind of combine the two, first bit weird, but I've realised being a parent to kids that like my parents when they were my age with me and I kind of looked up thinking they knew everything, they were just bloody making it up as they went along kind of thing. It's a similarity, I feel, like <laughs> it's like you, you're not, it's definitely not the same kind of awe that I project is onto black belts the other way around I don't think like I think there's a it's a similar kind of thing to a kid looking up as a parent feeling they like you know the sort of be all and end all of everything whereas uh like like I was saying earlier you know sometimes you've got to, to tell guys and stuff like you know you, you're letting me have that position like you're assuming you're going to lose and I think I think sometimes I mean this I don't think it's all negative to kind of, and I think some kind of respect towards, like, say, something I believe in. But I think definitely there's this thing in that, and kind of, you know, you know, we like to put people on pedestals, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's quite interesting when you 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 compare it to a parent because that's probably the best analogy you can. It's like you you do kind of 
it's almost like you expect them to know the answer to everything yeah 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 like uh, it it, regardless like i mean let's go with the uh, blue belt examples i saw this thing on youtube like oh it's kind of god knows some sort of like 20 step technique like you'll know this won't you coach yeah no 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 totally and some have this comfort and security in the fact that you assume they're gonna know like you know any question you're asking them whether it's like about overtraining or you know i keep getting smashed by this guy that kind of thing you feel like oh you know and the security in the fact when they say something like you know oh you know it's all part of the process or whatever you're like okay that's good that's good you know so yeah it's that same kind of thing looking up to like a higher authority that you can trust with that and do you, I mean, do you, do you still do that with your coaches as well? Yeah, I think, I think to degree you have that. I mean, I think that's one of the things which is a switch I try to encourage everyone that I train as well, that you have to, as especially if you want to be a competitor, it's that point where you can, you can respect someone and they're your teacher, but when it comes to rolling, you're going to try and fuck them up and you're not going to feel bad about it because that's, that's something like um, that, like as a competitor as well, I also get, like I was saying uh, earlier, I think I mentioned it a few times actually, I get a bit irked as well if guys that I know are quite tough in the gym and stuff and then they're slightly, they, you know, they're giving up on things or they're going overly defensive when I'm seeing, you know, and uh, I'm like, oh, no, you're being deferential to me, you know, don't try and take me out like I'm anyone else in the room. So I think that's something that, like obviously with my coaches that you you get over at a certain point like you don't start rolling with them and straight away go oh I'm, you know what's he going to submit me with you're trying to attack them um so i think i think that's a very important part if you're a competitor as well you're obviously respectful and you understand their things to, but when it comes to rolling that's you know your your training and, and and i mean in terms of kind of rolling do you where do you stand on kind of like uh i mean there's a few questions that um some people have asked that we'll get to about training but um you know where do you stand how do you not for advice for other people but where's your you know what's your kind of perspective especially kind of when it comes to preparation things like preparing for the squads uh and preparing for the uh for the polaris tournament and just like for big competitions previous to that like um has it developed over time kind of your perspective on things yeah definitely i mean i used to um basically like just sort of spar without a particular aim like you know you'd have you like what was it? it's kind of like a 30 30 split you know whatever it's a kind of warm-up uh, some drilling and then some rolling um but yeah no that's tr- especially as the tournaments have got like higher level and uh, messing with the like different rules where it's sub only um what the time limits are because obviously as you go up to belts or now even just a lot of tournaments uh, like are having um playing with the time lengths anyway so i, I do depending on the tournament i'll uh, try and simulate obviously the time limits to that uh I'm, i i really like um like uh, sort of winner stays in style sparring sort of where you get a bit shark tanked i think that's that's very good from competitive training like preparing getting sharp for a tournament um uh doing a lot of those kind of high intensity rounds where it's not just testing your ability but your will as well because especially like um Yusuf will often have us do um like kind of a first to points whether which i think is good whether you're doing sub only or not because it really there's points when you're fight if you're in for four rounds and someone else is coming at you and you know all you have to do is kind of get, oh, you get taken down. You know, it's really fighting, like, how much do you want to stay in there? 
Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think I think those kind of uh, winner stays in like Shark Tank style trainings are very good. And even for, like I'll do some long term matches if I'm fighting ten minutes, but um, I I find the best for me is like the Shark Tank style ones, and then normally about four or five minute round rolls, but high intensity. So to really get a nice explosive pace on it mm-hmm. and uh, minimizing kind of my rest. Uh, that's what I've found at the minute works best for me. And generally that about three times a week, not like every day that way. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, you, you kind of, you know, moved away from the blue belt. I'm going to train I'm going to train like that kind of six, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And early 20s. <laughs> and no longer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, parenthood, I'm sure, has um, has changed perspectives slightly on training as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get out of the house more to do it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that that's that's something that sometimes uh, I laugh. Like, if I've got them in the corner of the room and <laughs> I'm ending up having to, like, a mid-roll shouting, like, you know, Isabel, stop hitting your sister. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, it's just a constant evolution, like with your body as well. Like I noticed late late twenties, I started getting injuries as opposed to just um, like sort of um, kind of bumps and scrapes that seemed to clear up. Like a, yeah, it was like suddenly my disc started slipping. I was getting tendonitis and things. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, so yeah, that's made me adjust a bit as well. And I mean, it's quite interesting that your preference in your style of training also kind of leans into when people watch you, what kind of grappler like you are, because um, it's fair. I think it'd be fair to say that um, you're not uh, you're one of not many or one of few, shall I say, who um, you do actively seek to land takedowns and you do you are quite active on your feet um and you like to wrestle and it's it it and i think that it kind of i mean it quite kind of leans into that kind of style of training as well in terms of quite kind of the aggression and the kind of you know do you want to stay in yes yeah no no i i'd say um i think like wrestling was kind of especially the mma kind of the first type of sort of grappling that i was sort of exposed to and probably the first thing that i felt like i gain proficiency in like uh, pretty much I always used to joke that basically for white belt and blue belt all I used to do was single leg people and <laughs> wait in their half guard like um, so it was kind of what I I felt sort of confident in early on so that was uh, then obviously I started trying to round out my grappling game but there's still like wrestling and particularly the mindset uh, especially when it comes to training like getting a sort of a bit of a, a grind getting uncomfortable as something that I try and get to in training and something that I, I um, encourage the people I train as well to always push for, for that. Do you, do, you feel a, do you feel a difference when you compete, especially kind of because, you know, a lot of people can describe how it feels for them depending on where they are with the white, blue, purple, brown. But f- for when you kind of uh, are going on to the professional stage, um, against you know other high level competitors who have all come from various backgrounds do you find I mean you know we can go to the far extremes of the Nick Rodriguez's of the world but kind of especially within the UK itself um, when you are 
competing with people um do you find that you kind of uh again it goes back to a confidence thing of like being able to wrestle and having that in your back pocket yes yes definitely like um i I generally feel very confident about being able to have top position because uh a lot of people um will pull guard if they kind of are familiar with me or i feel i will either force them to pull guard through um the exchanges or i'll get the takedown so yeah especially especially within my weight class um yeah i feel uh that's that's always something that's kind of there and yeah it's something that i, I feel sort of very confident in generally yeah and uh i mean you because uh, if, if you competed in just pure wrestling competi- competitions yourself not not freestyle i've competed in the catch in the yeah catch i was gonna one. say because that 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 goes into the kind of the catch wrestling um because did you uh uh i'm guessing you competed in your catch wrestling was that that uh in the classic snake bit or was that elsewhere no, no, it's in the snake pit, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's, wrestling tournaments are quite hard to, unless you're in, and you, uh, like, uh, even like the wrestling clubs is, aren't as widespread in the UK, and uh, most of the t- championships are kind of closed and stuff, so it's uh, not been something that I've ha- managed to get to compete in too much. But um, when the catch wrestling came up, that was something that I was very excited about. And uh, John Hathaway, that is one of my coaches as well, was, you know, uh, that's something that he's hugely into. So, uh, yeah, we basically jumped the chance to be able to get involved in that. And that format, to be honest, suits me even more than like regular uh, sort of freestyle wrestling because you've got subs in there as well. And I mean, uh uh for those who don't know i mean there's some awesome fo- footage on youtube actually of like if you google like a youtube snake pit and like billy robinson it's just like you know we talk about grappling in the uk and kind of the you know a lot of countries obviously have like steep histories of grappling and they're able to like find them very easily but um like the snake pit is one of those places where historically it is like you know it's full of uk wrestling and uk grappling it is it is no it's it's brilliant um no i mean i i kind of i also love that kind of thing because i'd always describe myself as kind of a bit of a left field grappler like a lot of the things i do are not very conventional jiu-jitsu when people roll with me they're generally a bit like oh that's that's quite different or like i wasn't expecting that kind of thing and i love like the catch wrestling things or a lot of the stuff that i learned were from old like crazy judo guys and things that would um show these different like arm wraps and things into weird figure four locks and um i kind of feel like a lot of that like old school judo like mayweather sometimes reminds me of moves i see in catch wrestling right which i mean given their history like there was a lot of um challenge matches and things between them was it there was what's the catch wrestler there was one that challenged used to be the guys from the codacan and proclaimed himself judo champion of the world <laughs> judo champion of the world yeah yeah the title. <laughs> but um yeah yeah so i think especially like in the uk like going back a certain amount you didn't have that many grapplers and like judo guys and catch wrestlers i think were some of the ones and yeah certainly i found notes a lot of similarities also in the way that techniques are applied like um was it uh 
um, someone was describing like the main like difference in kind of catch wrestling and jiu-jitsu moves is jiu-jitsu is kind of a bit like I'm going to get sort of move you into this trap without you realizing it until you're caught and kind of um, catch wrestling is kind of more like you're going to know exactly what I'm going to do but I'm going to force you into the position anyway <laughs> and uh, definitely with like some old school judo guys there's a lot of kind of similarity in that I think, again, because the rules dictated, like, you'd have to do your groundwork quickly. There was a certain kind of, um, sort of, uh, yeah, sort of a, a kind of rougher, more um, workman-style approach to it. Yeah, there's definitely in a kind of, you know, uh, I mean, you kind of see it, in, uh, it depends on kind of what grapplers you look at, but, you know, you see it in some grapplers where it's there, it's... And you can see it actually more so in their opponent's face of shit, like it's it's going and I don't know what to do because I they've I've got no I've got no other options and like I am being put there whether I like it or not. Yeah, yeah. And uh that's uh, quite a big part of that. And uh I think it's also again kind of misses in nicely with kind of like it's like kind of like wrestling rides and things. It's uh, you know excessive cross faces <laughs> i mean you, you mentioned you kind of uh you say you're a left field grapple uh kind of practitioner and i think i i would describe that as true um because you know whenever uh you kind of you you hear people talk about rolling with you and people and like if you watch yourself grapple there is that kind of i think it's like there's a slight hesitance there and i think that's what made the inter- the match with ross so interesting and your previous matches so interesting is that um in in a nice way you are a misnomer in some ways as a grappler like you you know you you present is similar to like when we uh when kind of you have someone like josh barnett kind of wrestle people who's like people look at the Josh Barnett and they make it, you're kind of not that good of a grappler in terms of kind of BJJ standards. Yeah. But actually, I mean, it kind of, there's evidence that obviously that's just not true, but it's, it's this kind of, it's something that people aren't used to. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I think it's definitely something to it. And I think in a sense, um, because like, ah, uh, I went through the belt ranks like relatively quickly. So I think one of the ways I was able to stay competitive against people who've been training quite a lot longer than me was by having kind of less orthodox techniques, like ones that came at positions that weren't so used to. Um, and that kind of helped me be able to hang with people who'd been competing and training a lot longer than me. So uh, I think that's something that I kind of started doing fairly early and then kind of, as I was having success with it, sort of branched out more and more with that. Um, and uh, again, a lot of the people I've got to train with and stuff, like um, uh, what's it called? John Hathaway, who has had an amazing influence on my grappling, especially the last few years, has, uh, again, he's got quite an unorthodox style of grappling. It's mixed with a lot of catch type techniques. And again, it's very like, um, sort of uh, brutally effective in a way, but it's uh, again, positions that you don't really know what's coming all the time. You know, you can uh, you can think you've got him in a vaporizer, but then suddenly you're getting foot locked. <laughs> and um, so yeah, it's, it's um, I think that's helped me quite a bit 
throughout the years. I think I've kind of zoned in on that being kind of my niche at becoming sort of strong in weird positions. Yeah. And I mean, uh, is that something like uh, when you think about kind of developing it or sharing it with other people, like what, uh, how do you kind of do you now? Are you kind of thinking, right, well, you know, I am I've like kind of working it at this particular angle, at this particular way in this direction. Um, is there kind of certain things now that you want to do with essentially your particular style? Is there kind of things that you want to add to your toolkit now that may be kind of slightly uh, more obscure or kind of uh, kind of, you know, force people to do essentially or to move into subs in a particular way? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, what I'm mostly at the minute trying to improve is just the um, kind of linking all of uh, my preferred moves together better and transitioning between them better. And um, particularly what I've been working on kind of like this, well, I suppose since um, this year, mostly it was by really bringing my wrestling into my jiu-jitsu which is i know it's a weird thing when we're talking about like how i feel comfortable with my wrestling before and stuff but it's like um i'd say for a long time i used to use like my wrestling in the standing phase Mm -hmm. and especially this year i've been trying to implement it a lot more in just um sort of every position and a lot of uh, like wrestling from the guard and things which um I've been finding has, yeah, it's been affecting my style quite a bit. Like I've just been finding, um, utilizing like the scrambles a lot more. Um, and uh, in a sense, it kind of feels like I'm a bit going back to basics because like, as I said, all I had as a blue, white blue belt was like a single leg. And I think the first sweep I ever used to do was sit up from half guard single leg. And it kind of feels like I'm coming back, back to that a lot but obviously because of all the other stuff I've done in between that I'm throwing in there but uh, that's something that I'm really tying on at the minute is trying to uh yeah a lot of wrestling from the guard at the minute and just um trying to tie in those scrambles with my other positions as well because uh if I find if as long as I can sort of use that ability you know when you've got those scrambles you can catch more of the arm rise and things that I like to do through there so it's just um yeah i feel like i've been really sort of going back to uh integrating a lot more wrestling past the standing phase yeah and i think and, uh, it's interesting that you talk about wrestling from the guard as well so is i think there's something that um and it's also really uh it's just fun to watch as well is the pressure like you know we keep going back to kind of the, the putting people under pressure and forcing them and that kind of catch style like you know the 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 thing with people that you see with 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 people that can wrestle especially in bjj matches is that there is that pressure even from positions that um quite stereotypically as you know you know if you if you got the poster for jujitsu it's like yeah but what happens if you go on your back yeah you know the guard is like classically jiu-jitsu is classically brazilian jiu-jitsu and yet forcing that and forcing suddenly someone to not be very comfortable in the card uh in the guard you know whether that be kind of from the point of view of trying to force to pass them or just kind of you know forcing them to change position and end up in kind of your riding positions and stuff like that but 
yeah i i i mean kind of are you are you finding that actually people don't react well obviously that's a positive for you but when you start to uh kind of force the wrestling from the guard yeah i mean it, i mean obviously it depends on the ability of the person uh, i'm doing it to but um yeah no i i definitely find that it's uh working nicely for my game with it and again it's 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 a slightly left field like it's, it's not generally the same way that a lot of people play guard from there um so again it also throws people off quite a bit um takes a little while of a, a, adapting with it and stuff and um it's uh it, it works really well into my kimura traps and um shoulder crunch uh, guillotines and things that i've been working with as well like i just find i can kind of turn it back into a wrestling match from there which uh i quite like i think sometimes it's also a mentality as well not purely a technique as well like um i find that like thinking in that process uh of that like okay i'm on guard i'm i'm gonna wrestle from here it makes me much more active like um was it and that nail that sounds like the snap guard type thing like being very aggressive i think sometimes um especially with fatigue and stuff playing in the guard you can sometimes become reactive yeah. and it's kind of like you're waiting for your opponent to start trying to pass it and then you're going to take advantage of a mistake he's going to make or you're going to try and make him make whereas i think when i'm in that mindset of i'm wrestling from the guard i'm much more aggressive i'm working you know i'm put, like you say putting them under pressure um so i think i think it's also a mental switch in that way as well um well i mean the the i've I've just clocked as well in my head so the this is super left field as we keep uh, reusing the term um you have actually kind of uh go looking at the kind of polaris squad and and the um the previous tourney there uh so the first time i saw you compete was the hove oh see the hove open was it yes, Sus- Sussex, Sussex Open. That was him, yeah. and it was like a really interesting tournament because it was like five, five, three years and up was like expert. Advanced, yeah, yeah it was advanced, yeah. and so you had like this wicked thing of kind of Jed Hugh before he's kind of blown up now, um, Ross yourself, uh, a really someone who's actually not talked about a lot, a brown belt called. Uh, well, I, he, I think he calls, he says, tells people he's George, but it's Gregov, Gregovy. Oh, what, Ro- Rogolov. That's it. He's yeah, yeah, he's I'm probably calling it. Yeah, yeah, it's Georgie. Georgie, Georgie. Um, who's a brown belt that I feel like we should see compete more, but definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. I think, I think he got a bit of a knee injury last year, but yeah, no, no, he's he's an awesome guy, a very good competitor. And, and also uh, quite aggressive as well, which makes him really interesting, really yes. fun to watch. Yes, no, he's got a very, very entertaining style. Yeah, yeah, and um, he, he's again a jiu-jitsu guy that can wrestle as well. Yeah, um, and I think you know uh, it, we're getting more and more of those, which is only a positive thing. Um, but yeah, that was like uh, there was an absolute that had like all of you guys in. That was that was uh, really fun to watch, especially as kind of uh you were kind of on home turf because like so it was kind of it was quite interesting to see kind of people not in a 
it not in a kind of sports hall somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like it was um it was in a gym, which made it even more fun to watch, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was quite an interesting one. Yeah, and you had um there was uh John Hathaway for uh yeah. Tom Con Watson. That was it. That yes, because uh Tom who I can't remember if it was Hath someone hadn't turned up for Hathaway or someone hadn't turned up for Watson. <sighs> Yeah, no, someone hadn't turned up for Hathaway, so Hathaway just jumped. I think Hathaway jumped in. He took, who was it? Oh, I think it was, there was Jack Mason, Jack the Stone Mason that was going to come down, and he ended up not being able to make it. So John had literally just shown up with his gear, being like, I'm going to come down anyway, even though he had forgotten to register. So then he completely, yeah, he took his place. Yeah, I mean, that that, that was a, a, because Tom Watson is not a small man. No, no, no. Uh, that was, yeah. that's quite something to see <laughs> and you, you you say you kind of you know especially in the uh recent period um john has uh really um been a big part of your development um kind of yeah was that kind of in terms of like you guys training a lot or is uh in terms of kind of just kind of looking to him in terms of what he's doing with his own style I think a bit of both, um, like training with him was always like, again, it, it was weird, like rolling with him, I'd get like, I suppose what uh, some people say after roll with me, like, you know, sort of what, that, that, what was that? Like, you know, you get caught by things that, you know, you're not even sure what they are. Uh, and yeah, it, it, you know, he, he, he was very knowledgeable and a lot of like, uh, sneaky uh evil moves as i call them um but uh yeah so it, like expanded my knowledge in just a pure technique sense but then also um like the, yeah the way he trains and obviously like the level of mma he was he's very clicked in which i think sometimes a bit of a missed out thing not necessarily at the highest levels but missed out thing in jiu-jitsu is like the combination of conditioning and training so that was always a big thing that he you know was very dialed into all the time which uh, I think when I first met him and probably for a bit afterwards as well I was very much in the oh you know to get good at jiu-jitsu you just do jiu-jitsu and uh, to a big extent you know he's brought me around to that that you know conditioning is a massive part of that and running it the right way so that you're not destroying yourself for your jiu-jitsu sessions or vice versa yeah i mean that's funny enough um and we can go on to one of them now is that um one of the uh questions to you was um what you know what 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 is your now that you've kind of looked to john as well what is your kind of strength training what is it that you do to kind of make sure uh you're in your best condition for jiu-jitsu and then i kind of i guess going off that as well is do you do you see it now as i need to stay in a good condition like in a good condition all the time as well yeah ideally like obviously there there are like peaks and uh troughs with it but yeah i try and stay in a good physical condition uh as much as i can i mean um obviously the lockdown affected how i was able to um like exercise but uh, a lot of kettlebells i use a lot of compact kettlebells i found that was really good um for uh, my shoulders particularly. I used to always have a lot of shoulder problems, which I actually put down to having used weights and the kettlebells in particular. But it turned out that 
I'd been showing them very, very badly by an old <laughs> crazy Muay Thai coach of mine. And basically, I'd been wrecking my shoulder. He'd be like, you know, what, he'd give you a kettlebell, say, that's the one you've got to lift. And you'd be like pressing it, but your shoulder would be like rotating <laughs> inwards and you'd just be trying to get it up there. So I blamed it for years on that. But then obviously, when I was uh, taught properly how to do it, I found it's really helped my shoulders. Um, and yeah, to be honest, especially through lockdown, where I feel like my gas tank is probably the best it's been is like massive a lot of amraps of um kettlebells um low rest uh like ideally i try to do a few sets a week of like 30 minute swings um varying the weight on how like how training has been going that's the only thing is like um uh, i found like in a sense since the elite program and stuff couldn't get back in and i was able to grapple more i found i had to be a lot more careful with um how I was doing my conditioning because um, like a few hard sessions, I end up dropping back on my conditioning. So I have to be a bit more strict and not get into the fun. Oh, I just want to go and grapple again more because I've been deprived of it for a while yeah. um, and really uh, stick with the, um, like my routine. But yeah, so I, I try and do a lot of AMRAPs, a lot of clean and presses for my shoulders. Um, but yeah, mo mostly kettlebells. And I also use like a Shenna board a lot, which again, has found my, um, helps my shoulders a lot which is like again it's actually quite uh, like a lot of um catch wrestlers uh, kind of use it especially in japan it's like quite commonly used to be used in i think it still is but uh, like you can see old um japanese pro wrestler like uh, funaki and stuff doing um them it's like a sort of a wooden board with two little feet and you can you kind of do um like the dive bomber press-ups on those so i do quite uh... a lot of those I, I was wondering where 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 this board was going to be used. I was like, is he, is he holding it above him? Is it filled with water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, it, but yeah, I find that quite good. And um, you can do different grips with your wrists as well, so you kind of get a bit of a hand exercise with it as well. Um, but yeah, so I use that quite a lot more than normal conventional press ups because I have quite an issue with um, this elbow, so with, te with tendonitis, and I find that like standard press ups tends aggravating it quite a bit. Same with pull-ups. I try, I keep pull-ups in, but if I do too many, my elbow then gets useless. So, um, yeah, I find like the dive bomber or Hindu press-ups, um, like uh, generally uh, don't aggravate it too much and have been really good for my shoulders. And they kind oh, yeah. of go back to that conditioning thing as well. It's, a, you know, it's a, a kind of a whole body cardiovascular kind of exercise as well. Yeah, yeah, and breath, and yeah, no, it's, I found those are really good. And then uh, the other thing I use is uh, I do a lot of uh, neck conditioning as well. Um, so I do, like, I have one of the, like, um, little neck harness things to fit the kettlebells on and do those ones, and then just wrestling bridges as well. But that's kind of pretty much the core. Uh, I'll fit, like, sprints or stair sprints in uh, once a week as well. But, yeah, generally um, kettlebells, the Shenna board, and neck conditioning pretty much. And I mean, uh, you mentioned Dan Strauss as well. Do you kind of, uh, have, is, is that something that you've kind of uh, ever toyed with, kind of the kind of big heavy lifts or the kind of, I mean, you were talking about kind of varying the grip on the board. Um, do you find that actually using like lots of different grips has uh, been to your benefit? Yes, yes, actually, yeah, I forgot one other piece of kit I use is like those twister bars, which actually is literally from a Dan Strauss video that I got, I think I ordered it the next day, uh, and I found that really useful, um, but yeah, yeah, no, um, grip strength, I do try and use, I don't find hand grippers, like I find hand grippers help me more for gi than for no gi, like mm -hmm. I find a bit more for no gi, I want a lot of um, things that are working kind of my wrist rather than my fingers, 
um, a bit more. So yeah, uh, like those, the, the grip angles on those work quite well. And obviously um, chin-up ones, but I can't do a huge amount of those. But the kettlebell as well, because again, you're hold, like holding onto it for high reps uh, into your AMRAPs and things. I find very good for that. But yeah, no, that's a big thing. I mean, um, I actually, I actually did do, I, I did a uh, first stone lift the other day. Actually, I did do a stone lift, like a very, very small stone compared. But yeah, um, now uh, I, th- I did. I think uh, I'd like to uh, think I could try to get to that kind of size and strength. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's like certain things you can do that some people look at and say, oh, that takes a lot of time to get to that point and stuff. And even if like, I put all that time into jiu-jitsu and competing, it's then when it comes to the strength thing, like, <laughs> I'm doing enough to like, feel I'm fit and strong, but I'm like, oh, I don't think I've actually got the drive to get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> even if I could, I might have the potential. So it's like, ah. Oh. Uh, it's it's really interesting when you look at jiu-jitsu competitors and like grappling competitors in terms of their strength and conditioning kind of how they treat it like you've got uh you've got i know people who kind of who've only just now decided yeah best best i guess i best do some pull-ups and then you know you've got people like dan who just like is an absolute beast mm. um and then on the flip side like uh, uh something that i've been really interested in is um kind of looking at um tracking your kind of heartbeat and stuff like that and um kind of monitoring how you how much you're exerting yourself in training um obviously i haven't managed to get back on the mats yet but once i do um i know ash williams actually interestingly he uses like one of the polar heartbeat monitors under his rash guard um which i was really hesitant on going i don't know isn't it gonna like be there yeah. is someone going to try and put up neon belly and then ask you why you've got like a rock solid sternum um but apparently it doesn't come off but uh like monitoring your heartbeat so there's kind of different there's different ways that people treat it and i guess um as you've mentioned it kind of perspective changes and how you i guess coming kind of going into a pro level uh competition as well you have to uh, take it with a bit more sincerity than you may have done before. Yes, yeah, definitely. And um, I think there's also, like, there's the focus of doing it to the point where it's supplementing your main sport or where it becomes a goal in itself. Like, yeah. Obviously, Dan's taken it to, you know, a magnificent level in, like, you know, that's a part, that's sort of, a, you know, he's competing that, comp- sorry, um, sort of chasing that as a goal as well in itself. Whereas, um uh, it's like if you uh, at the minute I'm still kind of just doing it to help me get a bit stronger and fitter for jujitsu. Uh, maybe maybe um, that's be something like definitely the stone lifting. Like I've been talking to John because uh, that stones and triangles thing we were both watching. Like that is like bloody cool. That's uh, uh, that does you know. Uh, so we've both been talking about. I, I would love to get into some stone lifting with that. So that that might be something we try and emulate. But for now, I'll stick to little stones in kids' parks <laughs> while I'm waiting. That's all right. You can pick up, you know, a stone, a kid, whatever, whatever's closest, whatever's heaviest. Yeah. As the kids get older, you might want to go for the kids instead of the stones. 
That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. No, they'll get, catch up fast, especially <laughs> they're already trying to pick up the kettlebells in the house. So it's like, um, yeah, if they keep picking them up, they'll be quite heavy as they get older. They'll be, that's a goal, <laughs> at least. At least you know, like to tell them how to do a swing to not fuck up their shoulders. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so i mean w we started on the question so we might go as well go through them now um that kind of got asked on instagram um i'm gonna leave the cake one till last uh so uh one of the things was um people wanting to get your perspective on um curran's most recent match ah uh, yes uh um i don't know um and what your kind of thoughts on were were on that yeah i watched it for the first time uh yesterday actually it was um it was quite interesting like uh obviously the cat dressing rules in the states are quite different to the cat dressing rules in the uk so um like a um so like subbing subbing off your back isn't really and chokes in general actually aren't allowed in the uk cat wrestling mm -hmm. um so that that was um slight difference in the rules but um yeah i thought it kind of uh i mean i i personally feel he was outclassed in that like uh, i don't think i know he started rubbing his rib after he was caught in that first triangle but i don't know i think uh generally if you're a if you're a competitor and you're injured mid-match you normally try and hide it rather than point it out yeah. over and over so it might be cynical of me but I feel um, that wasn't necessarily a massive factor in it. But um, yeah, uh, I think it, I think he fought a superior grappler. I don't think it necessarily goes down to catch wrestling versus jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I think he just he fought someone who's better than him, and um, that kind of uh, normally how it goes in that. Happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, is there any particular? I guess uh, you make a good point that sometimes kind of making it into a, a a political thing but it kind of putting people into the boxes of kind of we love to go right this person's the catch wrestler the you know uh you know the josh barnett versus the gracie the kind of uh yeah. and kind of oh let's see and kind of going back to the old school ufc like you know who's better who so, what's yeah. the superior grappling style which is you know uh let's go spade a spade it it, it makes for good fun it makes for good uh marketing um yeah. but you know do you do you prefer not to see grapplers like that do you prefer to just go that person's particular style of grappling you know is from a catch wrestling background but that doesn't necessarily therefore make them any better or any worse uh it just makes them you know a particular style and actually you like to see people's blends rather than like set lines yeah yeah i think generally uh yeah i tend to feel um more that yeah yeah grappling's kind of all sort of one there's like different uh, personal takes on it and uh obviously you know certain schools have, tend to produce people in more of one ilk or another but yeah i don't really look at them like i think the biggest factor is generally the rule set that you're in so you could say like you know they're competing under these but even like we're saying the catch wrestling rules in the states are not the same as the ones in the uk and the ones in the uk i think have changed a few times anyway i remember last time i did it, it was 10 minute matches a year before it had been five minute matches <laughs> even those kind of changes can you know that has a big effect sometimes on matches but um 
yeah, no, I, I tend just to look at that that way. But I was, I mean, I'm pleased that the kind of the sport is getting more recognition. I enjoy competing under the rules. I mean, uh, I mean, John Hathaway were actually talking about it, like. Um, uh, going you know i have to go over to the states once things hopefully ease down a little bit to compete in some of the usa uh competition matches he was even suggesting that he'd fancy a, a match with current actually That'd be awesome. which i'd like to see because like again john we haven't uh, like i mean obviously he's three-time uk catch wrestling the snake pick world championship catch wrestling champion but he has a lot of people haven't got to see him competing grappling that much and like i'd love to see him versus current that would be awesome <laughs> I mean, is there anyone that uh, you look to who, you know, comes from a catch wrestling background that, you know, you'd love to compete against or that you just like look up to? Ah, uh, in, in the catch wrestling ones, I mean, um, definitely like uh, from uh, sort of um, sort of looking up to and stuff that people have done massive amount for people that really trying to sort of push grappling in the UK and particularly like roots of uk sort of born grappling like uh actually like uh may rest in peace but ian bromley um who i, I had the privilege to wrestle in i think was his last match but he was like a, a massive pioneer for sort of pushing grappling and particularly catch wrestling but again he trained with jiu-jitsu people and all sorts and uh, i mean so many of the people in like manchester and liverpool sort of, like you know sort of speak very highly of him and the amount of input he put into them and things and even like um though I didn't really directly train with him or anything ever and only real like face-to-face experience was when we wrestled um but uh through some of some of his videos and things there's lots of little because he he did a lot with the double wrist lock of the Kimura uh that I now use and have uh, taught in class and stuff that I really like from that even in one of the matches he did at the tournament like uh, I asked him afterwards like the setup he used and stuff which is you know even though we were about to wrestle afterwards he was very like you know like, oh yeah sure I'll show you what it was and stuff so um yeah uh, like I think he's a big person from sort of the catch wrestling that uh and more so probably because of his passing has had a like a stronger effect of trying to find out more about him and things yeah I guess like it's it's sometimes unfortunately you know when and we do lose people that suddenly we kind of, you know, may want to find out more. Um, and it's a fascinating thing when it comes to, especially when you're looking at um, people from sport and people from jujitsu, suddenly you find out all these things about people, um, whether that be kind of in a competitive nature or just from like a training perspective that you just never knew. Yes, no, no, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so uh uh one of the um one of the questions was and it was actually from ash williams um was you know your like your your dream matchups and uh you what are your current dream matchups and uh what are the rule sets that uh you'd pick uh rule sets um Rule sets. To be honest, a sub only. Sub only is always my favourite rule set. It's yeah, it's it's what I like. It's like um yeah, it's it, there's a uh, there's a very nice finality to it. Yeah. Like you can, you can't really get too ambiguous. But is that, that with a is that with a time limit or just stick stick just let's uh, let's go until the end? Yeah, to be honest, to be honest, no time limit. I I like uh I like no time limit because I like I I always like 
generally first minute or last minute I'm always trying to attack the submission so I feel uh, yeah yeah no time limit would be great <laughs> it would be perfect um, yeah and as for like our dream, dream matchups people that are like is this people this is people active I guess isn't it uh, um, I presume so I mean you yeah. can you you could say like Helio Grossi but yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen no probably not probably not um, I, I guess um so European scene, I uh, definitely like to, uh, there's Camille Wilk, who's a, a very outstanding grappler. He had, uh, I think he had a decision loss to Ross Nichols a few years ago, I think on Grapple Fest, I think it was. But um, yeah, he's a, he's a very accomplished grappler, very good leg locker, who I was meant to fight once on, I think it might have been Grapple Fest or something, but one or both of us couldn't do the show in the end. Um, but yeah, he's someone that I'd be very interested in matching against. And and to be honest, um, like from the speaking very future, uh, like immediate future, like even someone like um, Marcin Held as well, like just some European names, like you know, bigger names sort of in the world out there um, would be. Uh, that'd be a very good match, and that's one I can think of. You know, might well happen yeah, exactly. by the end of the month. So yeah, but yeah, Gamma Wilkes is someone that I've uh, thought about facing for a little while. And I mean, uh, so for you know, if we take uh, Marcin Held, I'm not even going to say example because again, it might happen. We dependent on the uh, the lineup and how things work out in the. 80 minutes that the teams go up against each other yeah. um uh, uh we'll we'll put money on it that likely is going to happen yeah, um, yeah what you know how not how do you approach that but is there is there any particular uh challenges that excite you about like a grappler like that i think i think it excites you when you you know you're fighting someone who like w one mistake can cost you like you know it's it's like walking that knife edge You've got, you know, you've got to kind of not get too into your head like we've talked about and just play your game. But you also can't go in the point where you're just like, you know, throwing paint at the wall and seeing what sticks kind of thing either. Because uh, so it's, it's kind of that fine line. It's like, um, I know, it's kind of like controlled mindlessness sort of thing where you want to just get into your game and play it. But you've also have to walk that line that you know that if if you're getting too comfortable and just shooting things off, you're going to pay for it. So uh, I think there's something exciting about those kind of fights. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like you can't veer into that territory of kind of maybe the, the, the slightly kind of sloppy last 30 seconds of a role in the gym where you're both kind of just going for it. And, you know, like you say, see see what sticks essentially, because as we've seen in plenty of competitive uh, jiu-jitsu and grappling matches, like that's what gets people subbed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, yeah. so we've got we got Marcin Held as a, as a probable matchup. Uh, um, there's there's a few interesting questions here, and there's uh, uh before we do one more serious one, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, this, which is uh, I'm not gonna say concerning, but um, more more so just uh, takes my interest. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, and it says, "What is wrong with you? And uh, why do you eat raw mints?" <laughs> now, now, Dom, 
I know we talked about kind of strength and conditioning and you changing your perspectives on strength and conditioning, but please don't tell me this is part of your diet. <laughs> uh, probably not part of my diet. Um, to be honest, I was actually raised for a period as raw food carnivore. No so way. When I, was, when I was a kid. Um, for, like um, My mother is a little bit um, eccentric, might be the word. Left, um, left field. Left field. Left field. Left field. There we go. That's, that's the word of the day. Um, yeah, so uh, I was raised for a variety of different diets. because she, she was a health food writer and she would experiment on her kids. So I was, I'd veer from week to week pretty much where some, some days it was raw food vegan. Like, where you um, and you, the only things with calories that I can remember that were nuts and avocados, and the nuts had to be soaked first. So, um, what was it? So they activated almonds. And uh, as a, a seven-year-old, you don't know hunger until you're staring at, <laughs> at almonds you cannot eat yet. Um, until it's yeah. active. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, and then it would be raw food um, carnival, which. I was the only I was the only one of uh, three of us. Uh, I've got an older sister and younger brother that actually seemed to take to that uh, quite well. And it was uh, yeah, it was like she used to get New Zealand lamb. That was New Zealand lamb mince. Eat it with raw onion. But uh, yeah, so that was something I got into. And um, basically, I think I can guess probably who that message is from. But uh, occasionally. To be honest, I still don't mind the taste of raw meat. So um, I, I mentioned to someone a story once. Like I, when I was fighting MMA early twenties, I had like a sales job at the time. And um, I'm not sure. Like, have you ever like really carb depleted to make weight? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you get to that point sometimes where your brain isn't quite working. And I, I used to at lunchtime, I'd walk out to. Um, like a, uh, uh, I think it was a mini Tesco's or something nearby, and you'd end up having to like think your way around, like what 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 am I meant to eat now to like make weight, like you know what what hasn't got carbs in, but thing. And I remember one time I came back with a pack of mints, and the microwave in the thing was broken. I remember I just ate in the cafeteria at work a packet of raw mints, and I told this story to someone and uh, they someone bring it up so um the other day i sent to one of my friends a video of me i was cooking some steak mince and i just ate some out of it raw <laughs> and sent him a video of it and he sent it to a load of other people so uh, and i think some put it on instagram uh so that how it came there ironically while i was making the video of eating the raw steak mince i actually overcooked the steak mince i was cooking oh man <laughs> So you kind of in your belly, there was like, you know, the, like you got the two extremes end. You probably got like a well done steak somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere but that's fascinating, man. So you you must have tried like pretty much, you know, when they say like you get those uh, stupid PT adverts on Instagram. It's like, I've tried every diet there is and this is the only one <laughs> Like you must have tried every diet there is. I think pretty much and like real extremes of things as well. So it'd be things like, um, yeah, like, um, oh, she was on the, like the candida type diet. So you're like cutting out all glutens and grains from your diet. Um, yeah. To, uh, like basically where we were pretty much having just dairy, like cheese and milk with no, like anything else, which I called the constipation diet. But, uh, <laughs> um yeah yeah so a lot of weird they should get disgusting things like um oh god cupfuls of lemon peel ground lemon peel mixed with water you'd have to drink 
um, grapeseed extract, the bitterest thing on earth. Yeah, all sorts of supplements and weird things. Yeah, that I mean that it 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 definitely I'm sure uh, uh, meant that you uh, went into kind of competing and uh, when started you hear people talking about diets around you as competing. You think you think you had it like tough. Like try looking, try waiting for an activated almond to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good prep for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Interestingly, then oh, I'm kind of fascinated to try it. I, I've, I'm so tempted to go downstairs, take out whatever mints I got in the freezer, and just wait for it to defrost and give it a go. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's quite, it's quite irony. Do so you season but, it? Ah, uh, to be honest, I don't. It's weird. I, for mints, I actually prefer. I do actually prefer the taste of it raw. I'll, I'll put more seasoning when I cook it than when I uh, have it raw. <laughs> this is great, man. I love it. Uh, oh, I had that question. I, you know what? I, I did not expect it to go that way, but that's absolutely outstanding. Uh, someone asked for a tutorial on your Japanese tech necktie because send me a tutorial, please, on the Japanese necktie. You got me with it twice. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, that that that's that's one of my favourites at the minute. Is that Japanese necktie? Uh, we might have to do a little video on it. The thing is, I always get like pretty much everything I've kind of got off other people. Like I feel um, it's quite assumptive for me in a sense to fit out videos on things. Like especially when you compare it to a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, what have I really achieved yet in that sense to be able to start being like, oh, you must, you must learn. And I've learned it of someone as well. And it's like I, I get, I, I'm still in the phase I think where I'm getting over the fact of like. You know, um, it's you know, is it my is it mine to teach? Have I really got anything special to show with that? Yeah, it must be difficult because I always, whenever I watch instructionals and then I meet the person who's like made the instructional, I almost want to go up to them, go, yeah, but who did you learn it off? Like, did you genuinely make that technique? Like, because it's 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 not that you don't like it's great and like I love that people put out instructionals, but you almost go kind of like. Like, you know, in when someone goes, oh, well, you show this for me. And I'll be like, yeah, sure. By the way, like, I learned this off, like, like, yeah, so yeah. I think the last time, I mean, this is now pre-corona, but the last time someone's like, oh, so where'd you learn? I was like, oh, yeah, I got that off the, I think it was like the Ross Nichols Butterfly Guard technique, like, uh, yeah, yeah. DVD. Like, I I, I don't want to, I'm not going to say I invented it. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, again, actually, to be honest, um, the uh, necktie, in fact, most of my neck attack things um, with that is mostly through uh, exposure with John, John Hathaway. Again, he's got a really nice, like, neck combination series of things. But yeah, no, that, that's generally what I say as well. It's just like, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it, it can it, it can feel quite conceited to start being like, oh, now I'm going to fit out, you know, my own uh, instructional series. Of I think if 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 you do, if you decided to flip the switch and just go the complete other way, just call it like like the next uh, DVD drop on Gravel Club is like the John Hath Dominic Dylan's like John Hathaway necktie series. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. uh, and then just gonna uh, send him a free one and be like, "Here you go, mate." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. Japanese neckties an interesting one though because again, 
uh, I know someone, uh, I know funnily enough, um, I think, who is it? I've either got Brad Pickett or Uriah Faber in my head. One of the two I know uses it quite a lot, but obviously it translates well quite to MMA, uh, quite well to MMA, but it was, uh, and also kind of, and I guess the reason why it's used so well for MMA is it, again, is one of those things similar to the wrestling where it does force people. It, it suddenly kind of, you don't show them door A and door B, you just show them door A, and by the way, like the Star Wars trash compactor is pushing you in, like, and there's the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. No, no. It is a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very wrestling style one in that. Yeah. No, no. It's uh, also it's one that it's like someone can defend and escape it, and you're not in a worse position. Like it's one that um, you can work between as well as uh, like as soon as I clasp the hands. Uh, round like get that like John calls it like the noose so you've got like that um, you, you, can, you can use it to switch between you you can go back you know arm and guillotine or through for the dars or uh, you know anaconda so it's got like a, a you know once you've got that noose around the neck even if that initial one doesn't force there or, uh, or more often than not, or not I find that even if the first attempt doesn't get it from there you're then able to switch back to it after um, the attempt to defend it, because like you say, it's such a strong position, you just force them into it and close that once you've got that gable grip. Like I like to do it with the gable grip, but I think some of the other ones. But yeah, you're just able to like, drag them in with that. Yeah, I see. Um, I mean, I've even seen people kind of almost do the uh, kind of the, the person ends up going on their back and they end up kind of end up in a north-south choke because they've just got like you say a noose it's quite it's a it's a good analogy for it a noose around the neck and as long as long as you've got that noose tight you're just going to follow the person's head can only spin within that within that area no no definitely yeah uh, it's a nice uh, place to be well, on, <laughs> no, one, on not... one side of it one side of it <laughs> yeah exactly one side's great um so uh one of the things that i wanted to ask you and funny enough it was also one of the questions were flash forward hopefully post corona world um 2021 obviously you've got i mean for for a year that for most competitors and for most people has been like a slump you've managed to fit in like two major milestones in terms of your competitive bjj career but um if i mean it's it's not exactly been a quiet year for you no 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 i mean uh no it's uh no, it was it was quite like obviously when especially when things hit, I didn't really have a lot of expectations for this year. Um, so no, it's been like fingers crossed in that sense, very lucky um, for it. Um, and uh, being especially just being able to have that drive of the competitions. I mean, never mind that it's on you know such a sort of big stage. Um, just the fact that I'm able to like have something to focus on really uh, as I find that, you know it makes it makes like it's not just ticking over in the gym like you've, you've got even you know what you're doing whether it's a press-up or something you've got some a goal in mind that you're preparing for it just changes everything you do even down to like the meals you eat isn't it it's like when you've got something you're preparing for cake looks so much nicer when you don't have a weight class to compete in <laughs> that's true um so yeah so kind of going back to the question um what you know for 2021 now uh is there anything that you do have in mind is there anything that you kind of you know in the back of your head there are things that m- m- maybe a milestone or even a competitor that you want to compete against or 
whether it be kind of in the gym as well is there anything that you do want to do uh, a big a big goal for me would be I want to do the Nogi Wells, the IBJF Nogi Wells of Black Belt. Uh, I really want to do that. That's that's like a, a big tournament that I'd like to be able to cross off. Um, that that's been a like main one in my head. I I'd also like to do the Naga Worlds as well, just because I I really like the rule set for Naga and um like a couple of people uh, I've competed against in the past have done it. Actually, won won it last year. So um, yeah, so uh, 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 that's another one I'd like to fit in there. Uh, is but, Naga similar? You know, is Naga where uh, for the world? It's not similar where you have to accrue a certain amount of points on the Naga competitions to I don't work your way up to it. You can't just compete. I think you can just enter. I think you can just enter with it. You don't need to build up the points once for that. But again, I, I enjoy Naga competitions, so I'd quite happily uh, fit in a few if if the world's returned to normal. <laughs> fit in a few. Uh, in fact, they they are one they have scheduled. I mean, I know they've moved it back to December now, but there's meant to be one in London, isn't there? Yeah, it was. It was its return to London after, uh, which uh, kind of split the camp between people who uh, either were trekking up from. In, uh, like the south of England all the way up to uh, Wolverhampton and the people who were near Wolverhampton who are now having to track it down to London uh, yeah yeah it was a, a Naga Wolverhampton was the first place I fought Ross Nichols actually as a new brown belt <laughs> that's a great way to start your brown belt yeah yeah I, I remember walking in uh, with a mate of mine and it was like ah oh, hey Dom good luck today and I was like oh he knows my name shit he knows my name <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wait, 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 I don't know. You're not meant to know who I am. <laughs> it, it's that kind of interesting thing, I guess, uh, when maybe not so much now because you always know who you're competing against because it's a show. Mm. Uh, but kind of when it is uh, kind of maybe more of a local tourney and stuff like that uh, at the lower belts as well, um, you've got the the usual thing of oh well if it's like a smooth comp you're kind of uh grappling industries you can see your bracket you can see you know who's on your side and all that kind of stuff and um, do you prefer that or do you prefer right let's just see who like when they walk on the mat we'll give it a go yeah i don't know i th- I think it again goes back to a bit of what we were talking earlier like i think from the like mental talk way it's easier when you kind of just rock up and you fight whoever's there because you have no, you haven't built that preconceived thing generally, unless it is someone like, you know, Ross walks out or something and you're like, oh shit. But uh, generally you're like, you don't know, like I, I think all my, like the old, like the, was it the strong, what was the one British and um, open use, well still use that strong. Strong Von thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you get a name, but basically unless you actually know who they are you know you can't click on them and see all the comps they've done all the medals they've won and things so i think uh from that kind of way it's uh it's quite nice just to, like you just rock up forget about that and do your thing but like i think in the way of developing the sport and kind of as a narrative it's very good having these ones where you can look back you can see who's beat who you can see what tournaments they've been to and things i think that's quite important to continuing to grow the sport and i think as also we were talking about it's kind of a good thing to almost possibly confront earlier those kind of things of psyching yourself out whereas the idea of 
those tournaments where you don't know who's in your division and you just show up kind of thing is almost kind of like blotting it out. And then when it does get to the level where you know who you're fighting against, you then got to start dealing with it. So maybe in a sense, this kind of thing where you can check everything about your opponent, every tournament <laughs> he's done since a white belt, uh, maybe that's in a sense will help competitors know, get to grips with that earlier <laughs> and it kind of it it almost happens irregardless of you know what the software is it does happen naturally as well because you you just start to learn the competitors like at a certain i mean from blue belt essentially onwards you're seeing the same guys rough amount of guys uh turn up at the same comps you know you know who's gonna give you a tough time and who's not um yeah. and so when you do see that face and you're like, here we go again yeah <laughs> all right all right here we go let's let's see where they are in my bracket like it kind of uh it does happen in a natural way as well yeah yeah no it does definitely yeah and then like you were saying it's nagger and suddenly all the t- time switch around and you're suddenly fighting in your shirt so Exa- yeah exactly i mean uh it's interesting i i, I think it's i you gotta kind of find it amusing like i like the way you, we have such difference in comms like uh the british you know uh Braulio runs the british right he's Braulio, the british yeah uh, the british open like you've got like the full pen and you've got weight in your pen before you then get released onto your mat and like it's there now okay, you just got to make sure that you're in by one of the eight mats and like pray to god that you've got the right mat um especially if you're competing gi and no gi and you've got to run oh, to one gosh. side or the other so like exactly like it is like it is amusing when you kind of see the difference in comps and uh uh the the anticipation that kind of different styles like grappling industries for example where you're competing against pretty much everyone in your uh in your category it kind of suddenly that anticipation goes and that's what that's what fascinates me and it's kind of uh you know going all the way back now to what we were talking about with the squad stuff is that I guess you've got 40 minutes. Well, two two halves of 40 minutes. And you, you've got a, a team in front of you and you've obviously got a team with you as well. Um, and you know that, like, you're not, you're not out so the way you would if you're competing on your own. You're not out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, and you don't know, you know, you don't know who's going to be left on the mat when it's your turn to go rock up. So you kind of, you can't fixate on all of the eight people. You just have to. You just have to go. Well, one of them's going to get on the mat. Yeah. No. No. I think that's true. Yeah. No. I think grappling industries. Yeah, it does have that kind of feel because even if you have a dreadful first match, you're always going to get those other matches. And um, yeah, I, I often you. I was describing it a little while ago to someone like as the polar opposite of IBJJF because it's like, um, you know, that they'll especially for I think people starting out because you you know your first tournament you go I remember one of my coaches used to make everyone go to all three with the winter fall and summer all nationals IBGF ones in Crystal Palace white belt anyone he'd make them go because he wanted like the team points and it was crazy like you'd get people paying like 160 quid for the gi and no gi as a white belt go out in first batch on each one it's like then you've got grappling industries that are different it's like you know 50 quid or whatever for two divisions and basically their goal is to make you sick of fighting by the end there's so <laughs> many fights you never want to fight again it's like it's complete opposite um 
and I, like, I really like that. And again, also, like, when you get into the advanced divisions and stuff, there's no, like, bad people in the names. Like, and the fact that you know you're going to get to fight most of them, not just R1, it's like, it's, 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 a, it's great for experience-wise and just, you know, everything, really. And you don't, you, suddenly you're like, oh, I wish, you know, sometimes you, you, especially if you know people as you get to know people and you like, oh, I wish, I wish they were on my side of the bracket so I get to compete with them. But there's, there's no sides anymore. So you just, you, you don't even have to worry about it. Like, yeah. that's, that's the, the great thing about it. Mm, I mean, yeah. I guess that kind of goes, you know, and it also lends itself to the, no time limit thing in terms of kind of it is an endurance thing like if, if, if you've got eight ten twelve competitors to go through then you are going to be exhausted if especially if, and it well it encourages you to finish those matches even quicker it does it does actually speaking of that i think grappling industries i don't think they've held one in the uk but i think they're the only like a tournament that holds a no time limit tournament round robin no time limit tournament They've held a few in the States. Um, and yeah, it's, so it's the same like principle, round robin or whatever, you know, like multiple, uh, you fight everyone in the bracket and the matches are no time limits have only. Whoa. Yeah, apparently the average was, t- match length was like seven and a half minutes, like on average. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it depends. The thing is, is if you're the competitor, it's you're in that misnomer one. You're in that one that's lost. Mm. lost that. that's... I know... I think now you say that now, I think uh, someone I know from A on BJJ, they did an hour match and I'm, that must have been at the grappling industries. But uh, uh, I've, I've, I've competed in and uh, seen like no time limit once. And yeah. I mean, you, you, I, at one point I did feel really sorry for some white belts because like they were like falling over one another after about an hour and you're just looking at you. Uh, I I think at that point they didn't even give a shit who'd won. They just they were just they were just like let this ordeal be over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that would be a that would be a bit of a uh, rude um, first tournament to have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, got this local tournament for you. Got to show up for it. Just give it a go. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as the as the final question from uh, from the Q and A um, Instagram thing. Um, is from your good friend Anna, uh, uh, which is: Would you pick unlimited cake or unlimited kimuras? Oh, unlimited cake or unlimited kimuras? That that's a tricky one. Uh, 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 can I spell kimuras with a C? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I think I'll go, go for kimuras. I'll go for kimuras. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I I presume that's going to be your like preferred like post comp uh, treat to put it like definitely way. definitely yeah yeah uh, cake is a big weakness. Uh, <laughs> it's something that's now been banned from the house under the I I mean under seventy five. Um, uh, how kind of comfortable is that for you? Yeah, I, I struggle to get heavier than seventy five. I'm right now. Uh, I weigh myself after dinner. I'm seventy three point nine. So um, yeah, that's just sort of eating normally. Like I, I've I pretty much cut out sugar the last few months. Pretty much the first the first few weeks of lockdown told me I needed to do that <laughs> uh, because otherwise it's going to be very difficult. And I'm kind of just about managed to keep it going. Um, 
more or less. And eventually the cravings have kind of dropped off a little bit. But yeah, so but apart from that, I, you know, I, I have quite a lot of carbs in my diet and stuff. But yeah, I struggled to get to 75 kilos. So no, it should be fine. Well, when you tap Martin Health, we'll like sense, I'll, I'll make sure there's some cake waiting for you. <laughs> perfect perfect yeah yeah pink one is there is there is there a preferred choice uh lots no um yeah uh chocolate chocolate any any kind of chocolate cake any kind of chocolate cake i mean you you i'm i'm sure anna would be sore to get out as well but uh we'll make we'll make sure that like uh and i'll tell you what you can do you can have two cakes if you can name the sub <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, to be honest, with me, it's always safe to say Kamara. <laughs> yeah, just say Kamara. I, I guess that's like if you're betting on yourself when you, when you, you know, you know what you're gonna smash, so you might as well <laughs> just bet on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There's been a few times with that where uh, uh, I remember the first time actually where uh, I was competing at IBJF Open as a blue belt, and someone was saying something about this one. I remember thinking, ah. Uh, like Kimura left arm and obviously the part I did I didn't say it because like, I got still like a, well, a shitty blue belt and I didn't you know that seemed very egotistical but I Kimura him on his left arm and after that I was like damn it I should have said that so it's the thing where you're like I wish I walked away from that explosion without looking like I wish I, I wish I told him <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah it's not the same as saying you know you know what i meant to say i knew i was gonna do that to you it's just like mm, sure you did yeah. are you uh is there has there been any moments in like competitions where you you've gone oh man i can't believe like i i pulled that off like that's been awesome uh, yeah, yeah. There, there was one which kind of sticks. I um, 2019 at the Milan Youth Pro, I fought. Um, I fought him twice actually, but I fought the um, uh, Omar D'Souza, who was is a uh, a 21 year old brown belt who was he was ranked number six in the gi and number one in no gi in the world in the UAE at the time. And I fought him in the gi, and he ended up bowing and arrowing me. And then um, I had him first fight in the Nogi, and I was like, oh, man, like, fuck. Um, and I ended up, like, uh, like he's one of the ones he comes out and, like, you know, sticks his leg out and, like, slaps his leg. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, like, very, very confident, especially because he'd beaten me earlier that day in the Gi. I ended up um, going 14-0 against him and then kamuraing him on his left arm eight seconds from the end of the match. <laughs> that was one where I was like, okay <laughs> <laughs> do you kind of look up at the score and go like this this is this is happening yes yeah it was literally like uh, i think the first time i i passed him to mount and i was like it was seven nil and i was like okay because <laughs> it was literally like up to then I, I, like uh, i was quite i was like oh man i should go up to master's divisions like oh god You're like yeah no you know, feeling every bit of 31 at the time. I was just like, oh, yeah, these young kids, bloody hell. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then that. But that was also the match that made me really commit to training and looking at seeing as, like, the impact I made will be no gi. Because I was like, I looked at that as going, like, gi, I couldn't really hang with him. But Nogi, which was also meant to be what he was better at as well, I was able to dominate him at. So I was like, realistically, like it's great to do both. Um, I'll always do both because Yusuf won't let me not. Um, 
But um, it's like uh, that. Yeah, I could see that. That's that's going to be the, if I want to have any kind of impact competing wise. That's got to be the angle I go. How do you feel about people who do kind of exclusively train one thing? Although I, I saying that, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone going. I'm only going to train gi. But like, <laughs> right? I I just don't think that's a sentence that's ever been uttered. Um, yeah. But like, but like people who kind of stick with the nogi or train exclusively nogi i know we've got kind of 10th planet as a gym and things like that but uh kind of generally what do you think of that yeah i mean uh, i've there's definitely been quite a few times in my training that i have only done that um particularly when i was starting mma and then more so now as well i, I still put on the key occasionally but it's 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 quite rare um because again competitions is only so many hours especially only so many hours of hard training you can do um but i think i think i think i've got because kind of, use of my coach is a very strong thing on it which i think is correct in that if you're not training the gi you don't really get the belts which I think, like, there's, uh, I think a lot of thought of that, and I, I, I think I agree with that because from the point of view that if your point is to win no gi comps anyway, you don't, you know, you don't need a belt for that. Most are on experience level anyway. You know, if you think you deserve to be in the elite one, go enter it, kind yeah. of thing. So it doesn't, it's not really down to that. And I think, um, so I think, I think if you're competing in the no gi, that should be you know you're, you're going for that for the impact you can make on the on the like sport for your name and things the medals you can win but uh, i think if you want to like um go through the belts of jiu-jitsu and stuff then you're gonna have to put some time into the gear as well which as uh, i mean um yusef basically that's 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 the only way i got my black belt in the end basically because he, he basically at the end of the first year i'd won i'd been several black belts in nogi comps and i'd uh, won the catch wrestling worlds and stuff and yusef at the start of that next year he was like um yeah he's like we were talking about goals this year he's like yeah last year you didn't really compete in the gi did you <laughs> like, oh yeah so uh, yeah, basically that year, yeah, and he, uh, he made me have some super fights in the gi and stuff, and it was only after I'd done that. And um, but that's like something that, like at the time, I was kind of like, okay, I'll do the gi. But that's something I really thank him for for making me do that because mm. I'd if he'd given me my black belt before that, I I wouldn't, I don't think I would have felt the same as uh, having gone through that thing and gone through those gi comps and um yeah i think it it was it's like one of those cases like at the time you could, i don't know it's again probably going back to the parent uh, child type analogy the part of you assumes like kind of okay yeah yeah dad whatever um but then when you look at it passwords you're like oh now he was right about that and uh yeah yeah so i think yeah if it's a competition wise you know focus on that but if you're looking at like, the art and you're going through the belts and you want to be a black belt then you're gonna have to pay you know your dues and put in on the pajamas <laughs> gotta put on the pajamas as much as yeah. you may love no gi you gotta put on the pajamas yeah um so damn we're down an hour and 40 but um before before we close out um i always do like a little quick fire uh round uh, with on the thing um and it's a bit of fun and it's also quite telling of where you are and also given um the left fieldness of this interview i'm hoping for some banging yeah. answers i messed up really bad on one of these ones and ended up naming my most impacted movie as warrior 
was very bad. Oh, oh, oh. Well, <laughs> there's one question then I'm definitely glee for. Um, so the first is uh, acai, yay or nay? Oh, yay. Big yay. Yeah. yeah. All the toppings, everything. Everything, yeah, yeah. More, more toppings, the better, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's a damn struggle to find it anywhere, though. It is, it is. That was, um, oh, was it the um, last time? I haven't had it for a few, because jiu-jitsu comps would always be the main one. I've never really got around to having it in the house. It's annoying. No, Some of my friends no. do, but, yeah. Once I start selling it in Tesco's, now that's when that's when the bank account gets emptied although you can if you if you if you fancy treating yourself you can order those you know the dry peanut butter cubes ah okay you can order those off amazon Ooh, might have to do that next day delivery amazon prime thank you (laughs) um so yeah again post post squads yeah 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 exactly yeah these can reunite my sugary tooth Exactly. Um, so next one is uh, favorite country competed competed in. Uh, Italy. Any reason? Ah, uh, it was just real. Like uh, I competed in uh, Milan, and it was one of the best like competitions uh, slash like uh, sort of holiday that I've had there. I really enjoyed the city, and yeah, it was just really nice. And it was also with my brother's first competition back in three years. <laughs> so oh wow. Um, and if there's uh, any competition that you want to compete on, uh, or and any place that you want to compete in, is there? A, what's what do you what do you think of? Uh, I think like New York Nogi Worlds. Nice, nice. I like that. Um, <laughs> uh, favorite post-fight food, but I feel like we've already covered. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cake, or for a long time it was uh, Krispy Kremes. 12 of the premium Krispy Kremes after a fight. I, I, I don't know if you um, uh, follow John Maguire uh, on that's, Instagram. That's, he was like the big wig of MMA where I came up in Norfolk. That was, you know, we were all aspiring to be John the One Maguire. Pink belt gypsy jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, and also the, 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 the subs as well is right down the street. Yeah. Um, but he, he recently, oh, the man, the man is a god to me. Uh, he 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 recently i think tried to knock out what's the biggest pack of crispy creams you can buy is it a 12 or a 24 i think it's a 24 i think you get a 24. i think i think he tried to go for a 24 pack in one <laughs> thing like videos of him like standing leaning against the wall trying to like (laughs) trying to get through the pack and i think i don't think he made it but like he's a hero for trying totally totally if he can't do it no one can no no one can eat donuts like that man (laughs) um and then the final question is uh if 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 someone was to play you in a movie play you in a movie who would it be and what kind of movie would it be (laughs) uh um I think it would uh, have to be. I like that uh, Dan Strauss to play me. Then I'd look like I was big and jacked. Um, uh, I think it would be a probably a fairly boring documentary. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> I was. Or I was. Ki- oh, comedy. I'm kind of. I'm kind of leaning towards like. I feel like if it could be. Maybe you and John Hathaway in some sort of like Step Brothers jujitsu film. 
I like that. I like that. Yeah, he'd be up for that as well, actually. Maybe, yeah, you know, if you want to do your own Stones and Strangles with John, maybe it's like you kind of go around the 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 UK, kind of choking each other out, and uh, kind of maybe recreating like Step Brother scenes. You could have the uh, oh, what is it called? The cat, the Catalina wine mixer for yeah. <laughs> This sounds like it's got legs. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna sign. I'm gonna do the rights now. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll call it that, man. But um, thank you for coming on, and I'm, I'm just so excited to see this. The well, you can beat on the squads, and it's just been really cool to kind of um, see like uh, you come onto like the kind of the mass uh, kind of start taking bigger and bigger fights uh on the international circuit because um seeing you on the kind of the smaller uk comps you're like i want to see this guy fight bigger names so it's been really cool kind of seeing you get those fights now oh no cheers cheers and uh, thanks for having me on uh, i had a lot of fun <laughs> i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna go and try some raw mints now <laughs> yeah yeah let me know how it is yeah.